Well, we're back to another episode of the Pig Wrestling Podcast. The Pig Wrestling Podcast is powered by our wonderful sponsor, Sync Cloud, and it's available in the cloud. Where's it available, Paul? <laughs> the cloud I'm learning, iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, to name but a few, and on our Pig Wrestling Podcast blog. The Pig Wrestling Podcast is based on a book by Pete Lindsay and Mark Bowden. It's a simple way to solve any problem and create change you need. Right, we're back. Another episode of the Pig Wrestling Podcast, and today we've got Darren Peacock. Nice to meet you, Darren. Nice to meet you, Paul. Um, nice to see you again, Joe. Hi. And nice to see you again, Leon. And I see you, and, and, and Joe, you'll you'll find out how me and Darren know each other, I'm, I'm sure, as, as the podcast goes, because you're asking off, off air. Um, last, last time we met, um, I've still got the hangover, Darren. Um, I, I'm yeah. not going to lie. And... I'm glad that we're not doing it within your bar because, yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't be good. It'd get messy. It'd definitely get messy. Right, Darren, um, before we get started, just give the viewers a 30 second bio of yourself, please, if you can. Yeah, of course I can. So, yeah, Darren Peacock, I own and run a, a commercial finance brokerage called Peacock Finance, original name I know. Um, however, Peacock, uh, commercial finance brokers are very similar to residential brokers. So what I do is I help businesses and property developers find funding. So any business looking to find funding for expansion, any property developers looking to develop properties or build houses, we work on behalf of them, find them the funds that they're looking for and help grow their businesses. That's what we do. That's great. That's great. And I suppose in, in these times, your, your expertise and your what you're delivering and what you're offering is greatly appreciated, especially in this day and age. Yeah. You don't expect every single business to want all of the money all at the same time. Generally it's based out and it's not as <laughs> hectic as it has been recently, but it's starting to, it's starting to calm down a little bit now and we're, we're, we're starting to see things moving. So yeah, it's some sense of normality, but it's still very strange and very challenging for quite a lot of businesses. I must, yeah, I must say. I can imagine. Right then, Joe. talk about that? Darren? Because um, obviously I come from more the NHS kind of thing, so I'd be really interested in what you're what you're thinking about what is going on out there at the moment in terms of businesses and things. Yeah, I mean, this is going to sound a little bit strange and doesn't really answer the question, but I think the only certain thing is there's a lot of uncertainty to come, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, one one thing I do I do know, and, and we have seen, and, and Tam has, has taught us that with challenges there's also the flip side to that so there's lots of opportunities and already i'm seeing quite a lot of especially in the property side i'm seeing lots of commercial and retail property and people looking to buy and redevelop those because already we're seeing you know empty shops and and um and premises on a high street so but we're working with some developers that are actually already looking to bring them into different uses so Yes, there's always going to be challenges. Yes, it's going to be extremely difficult. I don't think it's really started yet, in my opinion, because we're only just coming to the end of the furlough. We don't know what next year brings. Um, it will be challenging. But like I say, by the same token, I think there will be lots and lots of opportunities. And people need to just maybe look within the businesses, maybe look to the diversify a little bit and look to adapt to take um, advantage of those opportunities, is my opinion. So, you know... The, the last two major recessions, you saw lots of people make a, a lot of money. So, you know, it depends which way you view it, is my opinion. 
Hopefully glasses out. Thanks, John. That's really helpful insights. Yeah, no worries. Right then, Joe, you're going to wait for the first question. I certainly am. So what are one to three books that have greatly changed or influenced your life? Yeah, well, I, I was thinking a lot about that. I've got three books. Um, the first book, actually, goes to a little bit about the finances. It's Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Um, very, very simple book. Um, it, it takes you through a, a, a fictional character who's got two dads. Uh, apparently, it's based on, on his real-life experiences. But very simply explains the difference between assets and liabilities. The thought that uh, an asset is something that pops money in your pocket and a liability is something that takes money out of your pocket. And if you spend and build your life buying assets that generate income and you then can get to the situation where you live off that income, actually, you'd never run out of money um, and you'll never will be poor. So Rich Dad, Poor Dad definitely was something that I took on board. And it expands. I think they've got Rich Dad, Poor Dad for teenagers. They've got a, a board game and it's it, it takes the same philosophy and same meaning all the way through, but it, it makes it very, very simple for people to understand. So I've you know, made my son and my daughter read it. I'd, anybody I'd recommend that they read that book just to kind of understand the difference between the two. Um, so that's one. Darren, on, um, on, that, on that as well, I'll add, cause I, I like things simple, my little simple brain. But that was the first time I'd, I'd actually understood that my house was a liability, not an asset, yeah. as I've been taught. Explain to people that theory because there'll be listeners who want head of the book and, and actually will be sat there thinking that their house is a, an asset. So I explain that. Well, I, like like you just said, the simple, simple philosophy is if you've got something that takes money out of your pocket in your house, you have to pay the mortgage. So it's taking money out of your pocket is a liability. Anything that puts money into your pocket is an asset. So that that's probably, though, the, your, your own home, even though people think of it as an asset. I kind of still do, even though I know technically it's not, because that's the one bit where, you know, it doesn't make sense to, um, say, for example, pay investment properties off. We'll go slightly off tangent there, because there's ways that you can always make those generate income. So an investment property that I get rental yield from is an asset. Um, but just for pure comfort, from my own previous experience, and lots of people I know actually owning your home and spending money on that to reduce your mortgage to end up, having something mortgage-free is not necessarily a bad thing. So that's the only slight quirk in it where yeah, I would still spend money on my own home, but it is a liability until you've paid it off because you owe money on it. None of us, unless you're lucky enough already to be mortgage-free, we own our home, but actually it's the building society or bank that own the majority of it for most of the time until you get to later on in life. So, um, yeah, lots of people think, oh, that's an asset, but... It's not. It's liability. It takes money out of your pocket. Anything that generates income that pots it into your pocket is an asset. Love that. Well, question one. I've learned some already. Uh, I thought oh. a money man answer. Yeah, yeah. Okay, explain it. Um, what was this? You had a second one, didn't you? Yeah, I've got, I've got three, actually. Um, second one um, is a book that was written in 1936, I think, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Now, that book... Massively, even even today, if you look through the sections of that book, nothing's changed. And I, I think because the interaction between human beings, whether it's like this over Zoom or through WhatsApp or messaging, or the fundamentals of how you treat people are exactly the same. And that book um, is something that I read very, very early on, actually. Um, just after I left school and I wanted to get into sales and I wanted to um, 
you know, learn how to um, interact with people. And it just massively changed my relationships, I think. So if anybody who hasn't read it, then they need to read that book because every single other book that talks about, and even going on to NLP and the way you, you look at people, all of it, it, it derives, in my opinion, from that book. All of the how to interact with people and good communication skills are born from the basics of that book. So that book was massive, I think. You read that one? I've got it. You got it? I've got it. Look at that one. Have you read it? No. It's on my list. It's on my list. I think I read it in my younger, younger years. I am sure I've read that book, but I just cannot remember. But as soon as you said the title, I thought, I've read that. Yeah, go back and reread it. And actually, the audio book, if you're not into reading, the audio book is, is pretty good. It's well well read and it makes perfect sense. It's brilliant. And it, it references people yeah, like Rockefeller and um, Abraham Lincoln and, and lots of – but their strategies. And if, actually, just look at the, the, um, the contents at, at the beginning. Look at the different chapters and it, it makes perfect sense. And what, what was your biggest thing you took from that book in particular? Um that actually from a sales perspective this is and when you're seeing clients they don't really care about you so you shouldn't really talk about you they only really care about what you can do for them so if you're in a sales role all you really need to do is ask lots of questions because people love talking about themselves um and deliver get the message across what it is you will do for them not what it is you do if that makes sense we don't yeah. talk about, for you, Leon, we do cybersecurity, we do this, we do that. It's like we can stop people stealing all of your data. We can stop people infiltrating He's your hired. clients. Tired. Oh, yeah. Start all of that. That's it. So, so that was the biggest, from, from the sales perspective, because that was the reason I read the book, but it, 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 it benefited me in way more ways than, than that. It was, yeah, when you're talking to people, actually, very few people are generally interested in you. They're only interested in what you can do for them. So once you kind of understand that, actually communicating is really easy because you're asking a few questions and then you shut up most of the time. It's right though, isn't it? It's right. That's it. That's it. He's got another one in there. I have, and I know you've read this book as well, Ian. Eat, eat that frog, Brian Tracy, Time Management. Now I've, I've recommended that. this this I've book got to Logan. Exactly. Well, if that's what you get, that's the premise of the book. I think it's a Mark Twain quote, and it's, I'm paraphrasing, but it's something like if the worst thing you've got to do that day is eat a frog, get up in the morning and eat it first, because then everything else you'll do for the rest of the day won't be as bad. And it's a time management book. Loads of really good strategies in there. Very simple. Um, but it trans. if you understand it and stick to the principles, then actually transforms your efficiency. Because most people get halfway there, they'll, they'll write a big list of jobs to do, might have 20 things on the list, and then they'll work really hard and they'll tick 19 of them off and think they've been real productive. But actually the one that they've missed is the, the one that would have had the biggest impact. So actually you're better off writing a list of 20 things to do, doing one and nothing else, but yeah. you'd be way better off. And that's one of the biggest lessons from that book. And I've recommended it to lots of people, but ironically, I've had some people, I've said again in a couple of months, have you read that? Oh, I had time. Well, it's a book on time management. It's kind of, that's a little bit ironic, but never mind. And, and, and interesting though, because I, I love my little journals and, and Paul's laughing. I'm, I have like a set word of a journal each week and I just have, I have a, 
one little box and it says Game Changer of the Week. And actually, mm. that's taken from um, that Eat My Frog. So what yeah. one thing can I do this week that is just going to change everything? Um, and I ask myself that every Sunday. And you do as well. I've just done my biggest rock this morning. What was it? It's in, me, it's in, me, oh, it's in there, in that book. What, what was it then? I had to redo my um, sales brochure. Look at this. It's on it, isn't okay. it? Happy days. I had loads of things to do, but I knew that was the biggest and crucial one, and it took me all morning, but it's done. Well, you'd be pleased to know that you free my frog today, so there you go. <laughs> I've got your, the three books you've talked about. I've got all three. Is it you heard what you said to us? Those three are his frogs. I mean, it can sound about to me like you, but there's no way to say to... No, no way to, to call you a frog. I'll be with you with the next one, before you get going. Um, what is your feel-good song or music that gets you focused and makes you happy? Okay, well, I've got a, I've got a couple, um, but my music taste is quite varied, really. Um, at the moment, I'm really... I love um, Radio 1 Live Lounge, so I love acoustic stuff. I love listening to artists who take somebody else's song and it totally changes it. Um, Arctic Monkeys do Love Machine by Girls Aloud, which is is fantastic. If you've not heard that, is, Google it, it's brilliant. But my fallback is is old school R&B and soul. So Marvin Gaye, um, George Benson, that type of stuff. Favourite artist, Luther Vandross. And I have to say this, otherwise I'll get a big slap. We've just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary a couple of weeks ago, myself and my wife, and thank you very much. Um, and Never Too Much, Love for Andros is, is the song that, when that plays, that's, everybody who knows us knows that that's our song, so that makes me smile. Um, and the other song is actually the song I wake up every day to, it's my alarm on the phone. Um, and other people might need, I don't know, something really energetic to wake them up, smack my bitch up by Prodigy or something like that. Um, but it's Easy Like Sunday Morning by Lionel Richie. So that's my alarm. I wake up to that. So it goes off and then I wait till he starts singing and then I turn it off and I just feel chilled and I get up to I get up to Lionel Richie every morning. I wake up to Lionel Richie every morning. Great. So, I, love, I love that song. Where did you play at Haunts when you was younger then? You've talked about sort of all the R&B music. Where did, you, where did you go on a weekend when you was younger? Oh, when we, well, we, we used to have... So when I very first started work, I, I worked down Humber Street as a barrow boy when it was the fruit market. So you used to start work at two o'clock in the morning. So quite often from a Wednesday, I'd maybe get to bed at Saturday afternoon because it wasn't worth really, when you start work at two o'clock in the morning, I used to drop my bag off at work and just leave town and go go to work and pop the apples and pears out on, on, on the stall. So, um, but we had a place which is now a little on Aldi, I think, Bridges on some fields. So I was brought yeah. up on Bransom. So I I'm, I'm, was born and bred on Bransom, but... Um, we used to go in Bridges, that was our local, on a Wednesday and a Thursday. Then Friday we used to do Beverly Road, because Beverly Road was absolutely jumping at that that point in time. Saturday was always town, and then Sunday afternoon was back in Bridges again. And then back to work Monday. So that was kind of the, the haunts, but it was always under 18s nights, Romeo and Juliet's. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Studio Circus, Central Park, those type of places. So, yeah, they used to play around. Have you found yourself on any of the pictures that have come out from those days? When no, they, look, they were like, luckily. Right the whole day, aren't they? Yeah, nobody okay. believed it now, but I had big curtains then, so no, no, you wouldn't even recognise <laughs> You wouldn't even think it was me. So, yeah, you wouldn't have to. You, you wouldn't recognise me even if I was there. I'm going on. <laughs> right then, next question. 
Darren, what purchase of £50 or less has had the most positive impact in your life in the last six months? Now, that was that, that's a quite tricky question. Actually, out of all of the, the 10 questions you've got, that was the, probably the one that made me think that. The rest of them, I kind of knew my answers almost instantly. That's really difficult, especially over the last six months as well, bearing in mind where we've been and what we've been doing. Um, but for me, it would, and I'll explain the reasons because at first it might not make sense. So it's my Netflix subscription, which is what, seven ninety nine or something. And the reason for that is some of the documentaries that I've got on there are quite powerful. Um, there's three I've picked out which demonstrate how we can positively impact. So there's one called Explained, if you've ever seen that. All in the show, there are like 20, 30 minutes explained, and it just explains stuff, like real random stuff. It, it can be can explain the phenomenon of women or, or women wearing jogging pants now and the reason that, that that's happened. It just explains loads of stuff that you you wouldn't even think about, but all of a sudden you've got all of these things that you, you, you're building up a lot of knowledge, and a lot of it might be useless, but it's interesting. I used to love... How's it made and, and tomorrow's world and yeah, yeah. binge watching that you, you learn about things that you just wouldn't normally learn about. Wouldn't you? Yeah, and you could just go well. Yeah, it's always stuff that you 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 know what it is, but you don't really know how or why. So that, that's that. That's well, great. Then, you can't go past that, Darren. We've got we've got to reel that back. So why do women wear trackies then, jogging bottoms? What's ah? Well, you have to watch it because it, it's the way they've engineered something underneath the gusset means that, yeah, watch it. It's maybe not for the podcast. I was doing the sound language as well then, which is not not appropriate. <laughs> you know when you said we could cut stuff out, Paul, we maybe yeah. cut the gusset talk. Wow. Out, right? <laughs> um, there was that, and then there was a couple of others. One a while ago, not far into lockdown, I watched The Last Dance, which is the Michael Jordan yeah. um, which is just crazy. You don't even have to like basketball, and I'm not a massive basketball fan, but that that one man and his mindset is just crazy. And even though, you know, when you think that you can't achieve something, then actually, if you watch that program and you just think what, how strong you can be in the mind, that's a perfect example of that. So then that also, you know, it's not like a... a went and put Air Force One on and, and jumped out and tried to play basketball. But it it also means that actually you can get your mind around anything, I believe. Um, and the last one, which was a real recent one, it was only about three weeks ago, so not long before I got your questions, was The Social Dilemma. I don't yeah. know whether you've watched that. Yeah. The biggest impact of that, The Social Dilemma, as soon as I watched it, I went on my phone and I turned every single notification off on my phone, which over the past three weeks has made a massive difference because I don't pick it up, because he's not asking me to pick it up. So the social dilemma for your listeners who haven't seen it, it quite um, simply explains what the algorithms and the artificial intelligence and the analytics of social um, media does. It almost, it runs alongside a fictional family and it shows you the screen and it, it, it kind of has human beings as as the analytics at the other side and, and the artificial intelligence. And there's a scene where the young lad is, is chatting to his, um, chatting to his mate and they're going and these three guys who were effectively the algorithms at the back are going he hasn't picked up his phone what's he doing oh well 
there's a girl near him that he, he like send away from her and he said right we've got him send him a video right send him another video right send him an advert yes we've just made some money out of him then he goes back to the lad and he sat there just on his phone his mates on his phone and not talking anymore because of that notification so it kind of taught me that actually you need to make sure that you're in control and you choose when you use that technology not let the technology dictate and grab your attention but then there was also if you have watched it there's some really serious stuff when you look at that which is quite scary actually there was you know i don't think it, when you was one of the guys was chatting and he said we didn't when we started to design this technology we did it with the best intentions i.e there's one guy who designed the thumbs up for the facebook and he said when we sat in a room our genuine intention was to spread love and happiness around the world with the thumbs up. Not actually realizing that the flip side of that is if somebody doesn't get enough thumbs up, that drives them down into anxiety and depression because not getting it. So what they initially intended that thing to do has the opposite effect with some people. And it also, when you actually watch the documentary, it's quite clear that it has the ability to, anybody with the right budget can influence who sits in the most powerful seat in the world as in the president of the united states it's had an influence of whether we've stayed in europe or left europe and there's one particular thing which is really shocking on there they they explained that in Myanmar, which is also known as burma they only really get the internet through their phones when they buy a phone in burma it's preloaded already with facebook and the people in the shops give them uh, a facebook account but then when you look at the Facebook feeds within Myanmar and Burma, it's all anti-Rahaya um, Muslims. So it's all anti them. And it's created, not not quite genocide, but it's created the massacre of thousands of Rahaya Muslims in, in Myanmar. And 750,000 of them have been displaced now. And the woman who explains that story, she said, they weaponized social media. And actually, I think that's the case. I don't think this, the threat to us now is not um, some terrorist with weapon of mass destruction because we've all got them in our pocket. Every one of us carry them around. And actually, we need to understand that that's, that's massive, that's serious. So it was unbelievable. That. Absolutely great point. Uh, Darren, I love that. We, we talk uh, at length, Darren, um, in technology should be used as a tool. And it, it's really interesting you mentioned about um, notifications. I've not had a notification on my phone for about three, maybe four years now, I think it will be. Um, mm -hmm. And I found it one of the most liberating things I, I've ever done. Um, and it's really interesting, you know, people be like, turn your notifications off. And I was like, well, it's a, it's a real simple thing. If you want to know if someone's text messaged you, or you just go look in the app, you actually go into it, don't you? It's yeah, amazing. you do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so then you're deciding when you're doing it, not that little thing is because – because that's the old premise of, of them explaining social media. It's, it's about grabbing your attention and they're trying to keep you on your phone as much as possible. And I'm on, I don't have Facebook. I've never had social media accounts. I do have LinkedIn and Twitter and there is a Facebook because you, you need that for business. So I pay somebody to do my social media. I don't have social media at all. I've never, never been one for that anyway. Um, but I did find Why myself. Did you to do that? Um, Sorry. What, what, what was your around that? I don't think anybody needs to know what I'm having for my tea, to be fair. So, 
<laughs> no, honestly, it's not. It's not. I and people say, "Oh, Facebook is brilliant for connecting with family and friends." Well, but you can set up a WhatsApp group with your family and friends who are in Australia. Mm -hmm. You can keep your your stuff private. I don't actually want necessarily anybody to know what I'm up to. I don't feel the need to tell people what I'm up to, um, and I've got enough going on not to really have to worry about what other people are doing. I don't really care what other people are doing. So we've never had social media accounts, but I did find that. I was looking at my phone because it was pinging and asking me to yeah and without realizing it yeah but and I, and I think i always love debates like this darren and i'm sure me and you'll carry on for many years is um i i don't think um technology is the problem i think we're the problem you know it's a bit like alcohol oh, massively yeah and yeah. Um, alcohol's not the problem too much alcohol is the problem chocolate's not the problem too much chocolate's a problem and i think we're in a new I, I, i'm one million percent agree with you in terms of i do think um social media is used as a weapon no no two ways about it but on the same note how easy is it for us to turn our notifications off but no one does it hmm. it is it's made a massive difference because the, the phone doesn't ping and it's not asking for you but therein lies the, the 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 other side of that is people want that because they crave the attention they want the phone to be pinging they want to feel that people are asking them or somebody's saying something about them or that type of, it doesn't, I mean, and you're right, I agree with technology, what we have done as well during lockdown is with um, Lorraine, my wife, had, had scanned all of our old photos and our physical photos. You remember you used to get them, you had to go to a Photoshop and, and get them kind of um, getting produced. And we scanned all of those in, but I hadn't popped them on the iCloud. So what we have done is I've transferred all of those now which is great because we can look at photos of the kids. We can look at all, you know, I can pick it out of my pocket and go back to a time and place in an instant, which is amazing. And the apps, I, I love apps, don't get me wrong. And I love the technology because it's, it's unbelievable that I can run my business from a phone. I can do my banking from a phone. You can call a cab in a second and you can watch it driving to pick you. All of that is amazing. Um, but we can't be naive or ignorant enough to know that there isn't a flip side to that when actually, if it's if people don't understand the technology will get cut out and if you're only getting your view of the world via your facebook feed it is not reality it's yeah. what somebody has paid to put in front of you that isn't the real world and then that can influence people which then in turn can start civil wars and other for our governments and and really mess shit up really and people need to kind of understand the technology is there because it's not going to get it's not going to get slower it's going to get faster it's not going to get less intelligent it's going to get more intelligent so unless we educate and people understand the technology it could be pretty dire to be fair well, on the flip side of and anecdotally what I'm, what I'm hearing as well from a lot of people is um sort of during covid um i don't know how many people have actually gone on to Facebook as a consequence of this. I'm sure there's lots and lots of people, but what I hear is that people are coming off it for, for similar reasons to what you've been talking about, really. It's about just that 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 difficulty of just seeing so many messages and, and people not knowing what's going on and the confusion about it. And I think, you know, two two separate things, like you said, Leon, and, and you've said this quite a few times now about people almost being trained in how to use our technology and to use it well. Um, because the other side, the other side of it is, it can really have a, an impact on our own mental health. And you know, I, I've, I've spoken to a lot of people who've said, you know, they've really tuned out from it during the last six months. Um, I'm sure there's lots that have, have joined it as well. So I'm sure there'll be a balance there somewhere. But yeah, interesting yeah, um, conversation. 
Uh, no, I agree with Liam, though. It's, it's not the technology. That's not the problem. I mean, we didn't yeah. have cars before, and then when they invented the car, that's amazing technology, but you could still run somebody over with it. So Absolutely. it can be used as a weapon. Anything it can in the wrong. Everything that we have or produce can be used in the wrong way. But people, the difference with social media and that particular type of technology, not enough people understand how it is being used and how they're being manipulated. So they're being victims of something that they don't even understand. I can I can totally agree with everything that's said about social media, and but in the last six months as well, we've we've talked about some of the negatives and in the last six months, but some of the positives that we've had, we had to shut our our community work, we had to shut AMC's doors and social media and technology has kept AMC going and it's probably saves people's lives in the last six months. So like you said, it's it there's there's a lot of bad things about social media, but there's also a lot of good things that have come out of it as well. And it's been it's been a lifesaver over the last six months. But I think like um, everyone's saying that in it in terms of like they, we started around the, the old COVID and the financial, there's loads of opportunities with technology. Yeah. And I think you know, we're seeing now digital skills, you know, and I think I think COVID's really good around um, what, what's happened with COVID because it's pushed everyone to start using technology to communicate. You know, my grandma over at 82, she's been using, you know, um, technology to communicate with us and, and she's continued to do that. My mother uh, asked me for a mobile phone yesterday. There you go. <laughs> but with that, becomes responsibility again you know um and, and I, I i'm still going to be campaigning I, I believe we should have digital ids i think we should we need to clean up online a bit like you know um we can't have people just out there in cars can we, we need to have licenses and, and people should be held accountable so i think there's a whole big social conversation that needs to be had to actually rein this technology in um but i think joe i think we should hit down with the next one yeah so do you have a lesson from a failure of yours Oh, yeah, I have quite a few. What, why do you want me to start? I don't think the podcast's long enough for mouth failures, to be fair. Um, I do have, a, a yeah, a, a big business failure, which not only taught me a lesson, it kind of changed my life, if that makes sense. So if I tell you the lesson that I learned first, and then I can tell you how I learned that lesson, because then yeah. it might make, make more sense. So I haven't found a better way to to describe the lesson then um it's an old fable of the businessman and the fisherman have you heard that before go again joe saying no paul saying yeah leon saying yeah so it's a it's a little story so i'll tell you the story and then you you should if i tell it right you should be able to pick up the lesson anyway so the story is there's a uh quite a high up businessman who's, who's taking a holiday on a tropical island and he sees this little fishing boat coming from the sea and he looks at the fish and it's the most fresh, amazing fish he's ever seen in his life. So he strikes up a conversation with this fisherman and he says, that fish looks amazing. He went, how long have you? How long did it take you to catch that fish? He went, oh, I've only been out there about an hour. He said, I just catch enough that, that we can have for our, our tea tonight. So he goes, right. He went, well, that, if that, is that the quality of the fish you get all the time? So the fisherman says, yeah. He went, he went, I have a, an MBA in business, he said, and I can transform your life. He went, how long do you stay out every day? He said, oh, oh about half an hour to an hour, just catch enough for our tea, like I said. He said, well, what do you do for the rest of the day? He said, well, generally I wake up late in the morning. He said, I play with the children. I spend time with my wife. Then I go out fishing for about an hour. I come back. Then I'm a little bit tired, so I have a little lie down under a tree on the beach. 
he said. And then on the night, we'll go and, and play in a band with my mates and we have beers and, and sing the night away. He said, that's what I do with my days. He went, right, I can absolutely transform your life, says the businessman. What you need to do tomorrow morning, get up as early as you possibly can as the sun comes up and go fishing all day until the sun comes down. Catch as many fish as you possibly can. So he said, well, why would I do that? He said, well, when you come back, all of the extra fish that you've caught, you can sell it down the market and you can make a lot more money. And then in three to four years, once you've saved all of that money, you can buy another boat and then you can employ somebody and they can go fishing from sunrise to sundown. And then with all of the extra fish, you can and you can sell those and you can buy even more boats and more boats. And then maybe 10 years, then you'll be able to open up a, an export company and you'll be able to sell all of that fish around the world and goes, wow, that sounds amazing. Went, then what would I do? He said, well, you keep going, and then maybe in another 10 or 15 years after that, you'd be able to float your business on the stock exchange if you work really, really hard with my help, and then you'll be able to sell it, and you'll be able to sell it for millions. He goes, that's amazing. What would I do then? He went, that's the best bit. After you've been doing that for the next 25 years, if you really want, you can retire to a tropical island. You can wake up late in the morning. You can go fishing for an hour. Then you can have a little sleep on the beach in the afternoon, and then you can spend every single night drinking with your mates and that was the lesson that i learned from from our failure um and the lesson was so we'd we'd i like i said i'd started as a um a barrow boy down humber street and then from that i moved to a food wholesale business in leeds um and at the age of 24 25 i was the sales depot manager for there but i was when i very first started i used to start at four o'clock in the morning drive across to Leeds, load my van up, drive back to Hull, do the journey in Hull, then drive back to Leeds to get my car to then drive home again. So you start at four and finish about eight o'clock on the night. Did that for a couple of years. They promoted me to sales manager. That was fantastic, looking after a depot, looking after loads of guys. Then eventually I um, took a plunge and set up with um, my old business partner, who was a, a good customer of mine. He owned two delicatessens in Hull. And we set up a company called Alpine Fine Foods based in Hull. Um, and we set up with a, a transit van and a second-hand pad. Um, and off we went. We didn't really know. We didn't even have a computer at that point. And we just started selling food to cafe bars and restaurants and hotels, that type of stuff. And the first week, we did okay. And then we grew that business. We increased our sales at £20,000 every single week for nearly eight years. So year one, we did a million pounds. Year two, we did two million pounds. Year three, we did three, four, five, six, seven. Eight years down the line, we'd done, we were turning over eight million pounds a year. We had a, um, a depot in York. We'd built a franchise system from scratch. We had that running in, in, um, in Brighton. Um, and then cut a very long story short, Brighton went bust, earned us quite a lot of money, life changing money. And then we nearly lost the business. We came within a few hours ago in bust. Um, and then we took on some investment from some investors. They give us a, a large loan. Um, but there was a period in time where the, we spent two years where every single day was probably going to be the day that we didn't have the money to pay the wages and was going to go bust. Um, and it was very, very dark time. And in that time, I realized that I'd spent eight and a half years of my life building something up, working stupid hours, seven days a week, missing out on loads of stuff. When that chasing something, I thought the amount of vans that I had and the amount of turnover that I had equaled the amount of success that I would have and the amount of happiness. And actually, we came so close to losing it all, literally. We were going to be homeless. 
had investment properties and we'd lose everything was gone i actually realized that all of that stuff that i'd been trying to build i didn't really care or need any of it the people that i did care about were still there and would have still been there anyway um and luckily we took on the investment we'd lost about six million pounds worth of turnover within four or five months and then i stayed for four years that was 2011 i stayed for four years till 2000 and no three years three and a half years 2014 and left and the business was doing ten and a half million again when i left so we'd, we'd managed to repair all of it but it taught me that what i'd spent a good chunk of my working career chasing actually wasn't important and i didn't really care about so i was the businessman and now i'm very much the fisherman the businessman is still, he's still there a little bit but nowhere near as much as he was i love that love that story darren and um I'm sure our listeners will absolutely love that story in terms of for the realness and the rawness of it. And um, you know, when when you told me the the story, the journey, um, I was just captivated because, um, yeah, like you say, very dark times and very challenging. Um, and, and it leaves me speechless every time he tells me it. I, I just think it's great and how how somebody's fought back. But it's like COVID, isn't it? During COVID, we've all realised how. Um, the most important things to us don't cost anything, and correct. Even even like what Darren said, it, it was turning over eight, nine, ten million pound. Um, but what was most important to him doesn't cost a penny. It's the, and they're there when times are hard, um, and they're, they're there when times are good. So yeah, that's what I look at them um, through COVID. Is we'll look after what's really important to us and nine times out and it don't cost anything. Yeah, I would totally agree. Totally agree. You got to turn on that, Joe. No, I just think it was a really powerful story, Darren. And uh, I, I, I've got one question around that. You you said that you carried on for four years after mm. that. Uh, what was your incentive at that time to carry on going? Because the, the investors that came in and, and, and put the money in, I felt it was my moral obligation to make sure they had a return on that investment. So I was not, I worked probably harder in those three years than I did in, because the, there was a share ownership change that I didn't own, own nowhere near as much as I did prior to they came in. But having 50% of nothing is not as good as having a little bit of something. So they, they, they put the money in, they put the faith and their money into us. And I felt I had a moral obligation to um, stay. And I, inside, I didn't say this to anybody else, but inside I was not going to leave until I'd at least regained all of the business and put it back to a state where it was before they came. So I left it in a better state than it was when they came in because I wasn't going to take somebody's money and then just because I personally could have a better situation move on. I needed to repair them, not financially repair them because, you know, they're still on the business, but it, the business was left in a much better situation when I left than when they put their money in and I felt I needed to do that. So that's what I chose to do. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'll credit to you. That was uh, a good thing to do because that must have been a tough time. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it was even worse when because almost when you sign those papers and somebody else takes over the business that you've built for so long, it's kind of it's not yours anymore, and the feelings change. But yes. um, my pride was stronger than my disappointment of not owning as much of the business as I did before. 
And I think, Joe, you know, in answer to your question, I'll be meeting Darren Mee. We met around that sort of time as he was coming out of that business. and It was, yeah, about six months after that time, yeah, after I left about, you. About six months since I was, you know, heard Darren's story back then. And um, interestingly, you might not know this, I never shared this, but fully, I, I saw a lot in terms of the fisherman's story, um, all the numbers and all the vans and all the other stuff, it, none of it made any sense, did it? You, you know, and I, and I, I found him very courageous back then and very vulnerable, you know, the way he shared and, he, and to this day does, does the same. So I thought he'd make a fantastic guest. Um, I'm going to hit him with the next one. Um, what is a favourite quote or saying that if you could share with everyone in the world, um, what is it and why? Yeah, right. Well, this actually comes from a prayer and I'm not religious in any way, shape or form. So I'll, I'll tell you the exact saying and then I'll, I'll show you my adaptation if I can. So it's a serenity prayer. I think it comes from America in the early 1900s, but it says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Because I'm not religious in any way, I would always say, um, have the serenity to accept the things you cannot change, have the courage to change the things you cannot accept, but have the wisdom to know the difference. Amazing. I love that one. I love that one. That's a great one a great quote and you know at what times have you have you have you anchored into that you know is that you know how many years have you had that quote around you it was around the time that things started to go wrong with with the business actually um and to answer the question when they use it every single day somebody pulls out in front of you rather than giving them the fees these hand and trying to chase them down the road and drag them out the car and give them a slap it's don't worry about it. So I, I refer to that. Not, I don't tell myself it, but that's kind of the way I live my life. If I can't change it, then I don't worry about it. I literally don't even give it two thoughts. I don't think about it at all. There are very few things in life that I can't accept, and I'll make sure I change those. Um, but I'm not too concerned what people think about me because I can't change that. And there's lots of things in the world that I can't change, so I just accept to get change and don't even think about i think that's really powerful stuff as well and for our listeners um i think that is that is really good advice to hear and to take on board um mm. you do you waste far too much time sometimes don't you worrying about the things that you you can't have any influence over or something that you can't change and why put yourself through that um so mm. i think there'll be many people that will take that advice darren um, I think it even goes worse, Joe. I think I think people take it a step further. They worry about things that haven't even happened yet. Mm. And they don't just worry about things that are real that are can't change. They worry about things that might happen that haven't even happened yet. And it's like that. Well, that's uh, I'd, I'd, if you can somehow, and it's really really difficult. But I, it also comes from me. It comes from because we we're in such a dark place then, and and um, we were fighting so hard. I, I haven't really had to, everything else after that has not been that bad. Mm-hmm. So it's, I suppose it's a comparable or a point of reference. So it, it's relative. Do you know what I mean? So if something happens, I just, well, I can't do anything about it. Why worry about it? But I haven't really had to face anything as bad as that uh, previously. So I think that helped as well. So it's easy for me to say it's very difficult to put into practice, but you definitely shouldn't worry about things that haven't even happened yet. Maybe wait till they happen then maybe worry but then if you can't change it try not to worry about it because you can't do anything about it it's only going to make it worse 
yeah i would agree with that and i think there's you know sometimes for people who have anxiety and things you know they probably do worry about things that are that haven't happened yet or they do worry about things that they can't change and that's fine but for a lot of people um, we can take on board what you're saying because I think it is really powerful stuff. And if we even just do that once or twice a day, you soon get into that pattern, don't you? Thinking, actually, let's just cast that aside. Let's let's move on. So I, I think it's really helpful advice, mm. really helpful advice. I, yeah. I try and take that kind of view now as well. I think it's it's so powerful. Um, what, I didn't, what I end up doing sometimes, I, I don't know, maybe you can answer whether you do this, but then I sometimes get frustrated that everybody's trying to change things can't change. Mm. Um, I also get wrapped up in a different kind of problem. Do you do you think like that sometimes? Do you feel frustrated that people are getting um, frustrated? I, yeah, I, I do get frustrated with people around me that get concerned about things that they can't change, and I think they shouldn't really... You don't really need to worry about that. So, yeah, it's a debate. How we we have quite a lot, but um, I think they do see me as I'm too laid back, but I'm not. I worry about the important things, and if it needs changing, I'll change it. But everything else, I'm not that fussed about. To be fair. So. Right. Next question, Darren. In the last five years, what new habit or belief has had the most profound effect on your life? Um, can I have six and a half years? Because that's when, when I exited the business and started doing it. You can have, what you, like, you can have sure. what you like. I just love listening to you. So do <laughs> Okay. So and I truly believe this as well. I believe that my gut and my heart know what my head hasn't worked out yet. I've seen Talk about, more about that. Tell us more about that. I was reading this, this science that backs it up at the minute. Yeah, so what I mean by that is I knew in my heart that I needed to leave the business that I'd set up and gone through those challenges. And I knew in my gut it would work. Um, and if I thought about it too much, I maybe wouldn't have done it. So I follow my heart, I trust my gut, and my head catches up at some point. And that's whatever I do. If, if if it feels right, I'll do it. If it feels wrong, I won't. And I don't really think about it too much because you can justify anything to yourself in your head. But I think if you follow your heart and you do what's true to your gut, you won't go far wrong. I don't get it right all of the time, but um, the past six years have been the best six years I've had. So I'll continue to do it until it stops working. Great advice. Great advice. My notebook is okay. Oh, I'm gonna, sorry, I think. Sorry, yeah, I thought it was. Uh, I think it, I keep going off a little bit. I think. Sorry. So, then what you know now? What advice would you give you? you know, what would you? Oh gosh, what advice would you give yourself at eighteen? And what advice should you have ignored? Okay, so there's a few things if I can. So I'd probably give myself a good talking to. Um, but the first piece of advice I would give is don't listen to advice, as daft as that sounds. Um, well, not all advice. Unfortunately, I think 90% of the advice that people receive is maybe from somebody who see the world through their eyes. So they are telling you what they would do if they were, were you and what they would do if it was their life. 
but actually they're not you and it's not their life. So unless they truly, truly understand what it is you're trying to do, then you might not want to take too much on board with people who give you advice. There are some caveats to that, of course, is if you're trying to achieve something, whether it be in life or in business, if you find somebody who has, has achieved what you want to achieve, seek them out and go and take advice from them because they've been there and done it. Or if you're taking advice, if you're going through something and somebody else has been through it, again, take advice from them. But the majority of advice that people are given, I think is given from the other person's perspective. And you're, you don't know what's going on inside the person you're giving the advice to. So unless you really drill down into what it is they're looking to achieve, um, I don't give advice unless people, unless I truly understand what it is they're trying to do or they're asking for spe specific advice. So that's the first bit. So the first bit of advice was don't listen to hardly any advice un unless it's special circumstances. But then I also think there's some universal um, pieces of advice which fit regardless of anybody's situation. So I thought of two. One would be in in business, this would be my universal piece of business advice is don't be a dick. And what I mean by that is I meet too many people in business that think to win in business, somebody else has to lose. And that just isn't the case. If, if you can maybe not make as much profit, but your supplier can be a little bit happier and be happy to supply it, then you don't need to drill them down right into the last bit. For you to win in business doesn't mean somebody else has to lose. I truly believe across all businesses, it can be win-win. Everybody can come out of the transaction being happy. You might want to make sure that you get the best deal possible, but actually if you make your suppliers and your customers happy, then I believe everybody can win. So you don't need to be a dick in business. You can you can be really successful and, and still thrive. Um, and the life advice, I would tell my previous self, but again, it's, it's, it's going through everything you've been through. For me, I think life's about creating memories, not collecting things. Don't worry about things. Collect memories. Things will just go in the bin eventually. Your memories will. Just starting this advice, isn't it? I followed the second one in two years ago um, when Hull went to Australia. Um, I really couldn't afford it, but I knew it was a chance of a lifetime for me and my wife. So I made it happen. I had to pay for it six months after, um, but we did it because I wanted to create memories. And yeah. we had you'll never forget wedding. it, though. And I bet you, you've paid it off now when you'll never forget oh, yeah. it, but you'll always have the memory. We renewed our wedding vows on Manly Beach on Valentine's Day. So, wow. Yeah, so I'm glad I did it because life's about not creating a massive bank account. It's about creating memories, and I agree. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, so create memories and don't be a dick. There you go. Yeah, I love that. Love that one. Love them ones. Um, me and it. So um, we all at times feel burnt out, unfocused, unenergized, overwhelmed. Um, what is it that you do? And if helpful, Darren, um, what sort of questions do you ask yourself? I tell myself, I ask myself, can I change it? If I can't, I accept it. And then if I can change it, then I'll change it. And there's, then a don't. there's a common theme going on here, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Don't worry too much about it. If I get burnt out, they do. so that's the, the the premise. So I don't really get that burnt out at all because 
I only worry about this. And there are very few things you really need to truly worry about. So I don't worry or get bent out about much at all, really. Um, but if, if I'm feeling a little bit like I've done too much work or I want to chill out, I'd, I'd, I'm a right film buff, so I love watching films. So I just I'd watch a film, chill out, watch a film. Darren, I'm, I'm really listening and really intrigued by some of the stuff that you're saying. And you've, you've been an amazing guest. And it, did that did that experience that you went through has that put turned you into the person that you are now? If we'd have interviewed you seven eight years ago, would we have seen a different Darren sat in front of us? Oh yeah, without a doubt. That's why I say that lesson has, has changed because yeah, yeah. I don't worry about anything anymore, and I not not that I'd ever want anybody to go through it, or nor would I want to experience anything like that again, but. That taught me what was really important. So now I only concentrate on what's important and very few things are. So I'm kind of chilled. If somebody wants to use me for a business transaction, they'll use me if they don't. I'm not really that fussed the can or the cat. I'll do my best to help. If that's not good enough, then not good enough. So yeah, you would you would have got a totally different person. Yeah, I'm a much better person yeah. for it. I think you're probably one of the, the, the guests that will probably stand out in my mind that has really, really kind of changed from that. I, I, don't, I didn't particularly see it as a failure, but um, from you learned a lesson from... Mm, from yeah, a huge happened. lesson. And mm. you've really changed your life because of that and sound like you're in a really good kind of place with that. And I bet business is booming. Um, you say that you don't yeah, really care. Do you know what the ironic thing is? When, when, you, when you don't chase it and you especially with what i do i just give the right advice and tell people what it, what their options are if they want to use me great if they want to take my advice to try and do it themselves i'm just as happy and i'll help them do that as well and nine times out of ten because you approach that i'm not i desperately want to do as many deals as i, I can don't get me wrong but my life won't change whether i do or i don't so i go into the the process i'll give you the right advice and if you want me to do it i'll be delighted if you don't i'm happy to help you do it in a different way and nine times out of ten i know we want you to do it because i think people can sense if somebody's trying to sell them something so there's lots of opportunities i'm sure if i was um a different type of person i could have persuaded them to take different products and earn more money but it's that's not i give them the right advice first um and if they choose to take it, great. But nine times out of ten, people think people can sense that, and they know I'm I'm only giving them the right advice. So in turn, they want to use you anyway. So I think I get more business because of it, not less. Yeah, and, and I can vouch like that. There's been a few times um, in in my new adventure where you give me the right advice and you've not tried to sell to me, and, and it, you, you do what's right first. And I think um, that's a testament to your character. So thank you for that. Next one. It's me, isn't go, it? Go on, this is yeah, yeah. yeah. I like oh, this question. I do. I do like this question. It's about high X man, and I like it. Oh, in the world, would you like to interview past or present, and why? Now, this is going to come to a surprise. Uh, I'll come as a surprise to anybody who knows me because one, I'm not a football fan at all. I don't watch football. Never really have, and, and never will. I don't. It's not. It's surprisingly, it's just something I don't enjoy. Um, I'm not a Man United fan, but it'd be Sarah Alex Ferguson. And the reason it'd be him is because forget about the sport, to be able to do what he did for such a sustained period of time, his understanding of people and how to treat people and how to get the best out of them and 
how to enable them to get the best out of themselves. I can't think of another example that somebody who's done that for such a long period of time. So it's got nothing to do with football and sport. Is I would love to be able to have his ability to help people get the best out of them and collectively. So that's why I'd, I'd want to understand what he did. And I've read some books and I've, I've watched some documentaries and it, he just... He knew different people's personalities and he knew how to treat and he knew how to run an organisation. He would spend more time speaking to the lady who worked in the canteen than he would to Cristiano Ronaldo. And, you know, I think lots of other people kind of only pay attention to the people that think will have an impact on their life when actually, when you're running an organisation like that, everybody does, from the cleaners to the superstars. So... Understanding his man management skills would be the goal because I can't think of anybody that has demonstrated a, a better skill. I agree with you. Totally agree. I absolutely love that. And I love Alex Ferguson. I'm a Liverpool fan, but um, the way Alex Ferguson, just listening to him, I could listen to him all day. What? No, I don't get these football fans. What? Who are football fans? I'm not their own city. I just don't get it. Because all City are rubbish. I'm just calling you out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just calling you out. I've been a fan since 1974. Just got to call him out. Before you was born. Just got to call him out. What left me? Let's not talk about that. We're doing all right. No, no, boy. Come on, come along. One job. Well, that's it now. We're at the end, aren't we? We've done. We've done the hour. Done an hour. Hey. And it's all, and Darren, I would say as well, because I didn't really tell the guys too much. Um, I wasn't sure where it was going to go, but um, I'm sure, guys, you'll agree. An awesome guest. Fantastic. Thank you. Excellent guest, yeah. Yeah. I'll take loads from this podcast. Loads. He's, he's, got, he's got pages of notes here, Darren. Mm -hmm. Good. It's recorded. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Oh. We're still there, Joe. We're still there, Joe. We're still there, Joe. You can still ask him. All right, okay. I, I didn't hear what you said then, Leon. We're still here. Am I freezing? No. <laughs> we're all. Just so you know, we're all, st we're all stopping still and we're not freezing. We're just waiting for you to ask the question. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> have you learned anything from doing this podcast, Darren? Um, yeah, I, I learned a little because what I'd done is I'd obviously sent the questions and then I'd listen to the um, I'd listen to some of the podcasts. And what you do learn is you, I think you 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 think because a few of the guests I know and you think you know somebody, but actually you, your questions are quite. Um, I'm I'm sure they're designed that way, but they're quite. Um, insightful so get, getting to understand somebody a little bit better so yeah it was good to, to run over the questions and actually ask myself these questions and run over some of the things because you just get used to living life how we do but actually when you when you ask yourself these type of questions it's um, yeah it's quite insightful yeah and you've given some fantastic answers today I think everybody's already agreed with that you've been a, a brilliant guest Um I'm almost a bit scared to ask you this one, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> or should should I tell him, Leon, that it's got to do it? 
Non-negotiable. Of course, you can't tell him. Paul will sort him out. It's fine. Okay. He's bigger than okay. me. Okay. We're going to ask you, so I'm going to tell you. now. I'm going to ask yeah. you. I'm going to ask you if you'll go on the www.talksuicide.co.uk. And yeah. there's some uh, Zen Suicide Alliance training on there. It's 20-minute training um, yeah. to be able to spot the signs, speak about suicide, and to signpost on. And I think... You know, I feel like I'm repeating myself a little bit sometimes on the podcast just recently because, again, every guest that we have on, I think it's just crucial that we ask them to do this. And in your current circumstances where you're talking about people's finances, talking about businesses and, you know, the changes that are going on, again, I think this is a massive topic um, and one that's not going to go away. There's, we're going to see some real rise and falls, aren't we, over this Yeah, I would agree. Um, so if you could take the training um, and then just kind of put it out there to your networks, but also just kind of keep a lookout as well for the people that you're dealing with. Of course. Of course I'll do that with pleasure. Thanks, Darren. Thanks, Darren. It's just been, a, been an awesome podcast. Awesome. Um, just like to thank him. And, um, yeah. What about question 10? You want to ask question 10, yeah? Well, there's one last one. I'll just, yeah. Joe, you've missed one. That was Joe. She froze. Is there anything we could have asked? I didn't. I'm not on the ball today, have I, guys? It's our best question, Joe. You forgot it. I, I've got an answer to this question, though. All right, then. Go on, Joe. What's your answer? <laughs> but I'm, I'm only going to share the answer if you three agree that you've got to answer it before I do. Okay. Go on, then. All right. And I think it's a question you should finish with on all, on all of them. What's your favourite joke? Oh, it's a good one. It's a, it's a great one, isn't it? Oh, I can't. Go on, then. You three got to go first. I'll go first. Two two tomatoes uh, walking down the street. Daddy tomato and baby tomato. And baby ta- tomato starts lagging behind. Daddy tomato turns on and says, come on, hurry up and catch up. <laughs> 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 Come on, have it. Definition of beans on toast. Skinheads on a raft. Come on. Come on, Joe. I, I'm not going to share mine unless you do yours. Come on, I Joe. I think of one. We need to help her. Oh. Not knock. Who's there? Joe. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. She joined in. There you go, Darren. Come on. All right, so my favourite joke is two monkeys in a bath and one goes, ooh, 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 wah, 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 and the other one says, told you it was up. <laughs> you know, if the guest next week asks that question, that's the joke I'm coming out with. <laughs> <laughs> right on that note that's paul checking out leon checking out joe checking out and darren checking out <laughs>